Hello, David Hool, and welcome to the podcast. Glad to be here, finally. Isn't technology fantastic? Well, it is once you learn how to work it. I mean, the problem is, is that we're all slower than it is, so it has <laughs> right. to slow down to us. So, you know, that's, you know, the interesting yes. thing I always talk about change is, you know, when I graduated from high, sc- high school, when I graduated from college, there wasn't the career called tech support, right? I mean, you know, right. it's right. a new phenomenon. <laughs> And we all need it. <laughs> we certainly do. Right. And boy, so do I love. That. Yeah. Oh, don't be sorry. How's, how's the sound on my end? You sound perfect. Okay. This great. is Anchor. Anchor was just bought by Spotify. And um, it's an incredible company that gives us this opportunity to uh, do a podcast on the telephone. Right. So it's That's amazing. And, so and, be- and then, and then, how, do, and then you, how do you post it? Oh my goodness! Are you serious? This is this is incredible technology. All I have to do is press one button, and yeah. it goes to all. It goes to Apple. It goes to Spotify. It goes to SoundCloud. It goes to Google Play. Everywhere. It's an incredible oh, piece of great. technology. Yeah, yeah it, it really is. It is. I'll um I'll but help do, you out do, with it. Are you able? I like are, you. Are, are you able to keep <laughs> uh, an archive of this in your own account or something of yeah, all the podcasts you, can, you do? Absolutely. You could literally go, well, I've done probably 40 on this platform on the Dr. Whisperer. And then I have another one on 13th Avenue Media. And Mm -hmm. I can go back to any one of my episodes. I can embed them on websites if I wanted to. Um, But, you know, me having a media company and like yourself being a future uh, Mm -hmm. forward thinker, I I go by what um, the kids are doing. So. Don't spend too much time on the sites as much as I do on the social. Right. But David, let's take this opportunity mm-hmm. to, number one, thank you for joining me. Because My I pleasure. Think you're super awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure you will remember the first time I met you. It was like I saw the biggest celebrity. I was, I couldn't even speak. I was so excited. You would just uh, did a talk. And I could, it was like I couldn't wait to get over to you and just go, <gasps> oh, my God. I read your book, The New Health Age. You're incredible. I uh, I remember that moment. And my reaction was, are you talking to me? Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> you were like, come on, girl. Right. Slow your roll. But really and truly. So I want to I give you um, as much accolades as I've always had for you in my, my own personal mind of, of how great I think you are. And this isn't to blow smoke. This is the reality. But um, everybody should know that David is a futurist, a thought leader, a speaker. You've spent more than 20 years in media and entertainment. You've worked at NBC, CBS. Uh, you were on the senior executive team that created and launched MTV, which was only like my life. Hello. <laughs> right. You're, you're, like, you were a target age, right? Oh, my God. Like MTV. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. The best. Nickelodeon, VH1. Now, CNN headline news. I wasn't too into them, but oh, my God. When I heard MTV, I was already impressed by the new Health Age that I had read. And that was a book, I don't know, a few years ago. That's like mm-hmm. old school for you now since you've published 10 of them. But you've won a ton of awards, two Emmys, the George Foster Peabody Award. I'm not going to go through the whole thing because I want to make sure that you get to speak to everybody about what you're doing today, which I'm very excited about. But you're, you're big into uh, climate control. And uh, I'm so happy, and you are the reason, I've said it on many podcasts, you should know, and many talks with many doctors and many uh, wonderful people that are in the business community about my story of one day I was going to build a house on Howard Drive, 
was my goal and dream on the water. And then <laughs> I met you. <laughs> and I thought, maybe not going to do that. Going to listen to David. So why don't you tell everybody about what you're doing now? I know that you just released a new book. In front of me, I have The New Health Age, This Spaceship Earth, Brand Shift, and Entering the Shift Age. So I've only read four. <laughs> You've read more out than most, 10. I have a feeling. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> so tell us what you're doing now, David, so in Sarasota. Two things. Uh, one, as you said, I have a yes. book that just came out, and it's called Moving to a Finite Earth Economy Crew Manual. And when I wrote uh, The Spaceship Earth in 2014 and 2015, and then set up the, the spaceshipearth.org global nonprofit. Uh, 2016 and worked it to 2017. It's still up. Um, I just realized that as a futurist, it would be a dereliction of my professional duty to not speak about climate change. And that also represents a frustration to hear everybody. Oh, I'm a futurist and this and that. And what they really are is they talk about the future of some technological path or some kind of industry. But to me, the great futurists have always been those that talk about the human condition and what's going to happen to all of us and how technology affects human behavior. Yeah. So, so um, I realized that I had to talk about the future and I had to talk about climate change. And climate change is one of the three big trends, forces of the next 10 years. I'll stay on it for a minute. But the, but the idea is that um, if... The, the premise of the book is twofold. One is climate change is now. In other words, ever since the saber-toothed tiger, we've had this fight or flight uh, mechanism yeah. and we have to react to some perceived threat. And how do we react to the threat? Well, humans are not conditioned to, well, sometime in the next few decades, something really bad is going to happen. And the human condition is, okay, fine, we'll deal with it then. We're too busy having fun. Um, and the reality is, is that it's now. There is not a day that goes by without a climate change story. So it, we've crossed the tipping points. Right. The silver lining is fight or flight. So now that it's fight or flight, it's in the zeitgeist. It's in the consciousness. It's in the economic uh, marketplaces that, that this is going to be profound. So I wrote this book, and it came out uh, as a full trilogy uh, about three weeks ago. And... Um, it came out as, thank you, thank you. It came out as, uh, uh, I, I just wanted to do something differently because I wanted to get out so fast because when I started writing about it, I got really f scared that even my, what I thought accurate perception of the climate crisis was not up to date because that's the problem. It's happening too fast. So the mm -hmm. point is, is that, is that we put it out in a trilogy of eBooks. One came out in March, one came out in June, one came out in August, and then this is the, the combined one. And uh, so statement number one, if we do not, human whenever I say we, Sharon, I'm talking about humanity. When we talk, mm -hmm. um, when we, uh, if we don't, sorry, sorry. Um, I lost my train of thought. It happens when it's going too fast, too soon. Um, in the morning, I... Um, <laughs> And it's right, right. And so, yeah, so exactly. um, <laughs> if if we humanity do not move to a finite Earth economy or something like it by 2030, there will not be civilization as we know it. 
by 2100. Mm -hmm. So that is a premise. So if somebody says to me, I don't really believe your book, we can get it done. I go, okay, I just, you know, as a futurist, my one responsibility to any audience that I interface with is to be accurate. Otherwise, I have no value. So I'm really clear, having written this book, Sharon, that I'm all in on it. Everything is in it is right. It's the single best book for somebody who wants to have the question answered, what do we do to face climate change? That's number one. Number two, as a futurist, I bring more things to bear when I look at climate change. Most anybody that you've had on this podcast or anybody you've talked to or anybody who's listening to this has got the climate message from either a climate scientist who's saying, see how real it is, see how fast it's moving, or a climate change activist like Greta Thunberg saying, we have to change and demonstrate, right? So I'm bringing, I'm bringing this added right. dimension that capitalism is in its end game. It's run its course. Wealth inequality is at all time high. People aren't getting served. Um, uh, everything's kind of collapsing economically or about to. So it's time to reinvent capitalism. So that's the second trend. And the third trend is all the coming technological intelligence should be deployed to help face climate change. So the simple concept, I'll stop because you asked me a question. We're going on for five minutes. So, so. No, I want, this is exactly okay, okay, what so, I want, David. I want you to educate okay. the community. So the me. idea is, um, the, the idea is in capitalism, which is 225 years old, started in the late 1700s and uh, needs to be, it, it's run its course in its current format, which is ca- capital creation is at the center of capitalism. And we need to, we humanity, for the next 20 years at least, move to a carbon reduction at the center of capitalism. So, for example, if the tax code is based on your carbon emissions, then you will respond to the market need to buy an electric vehicle or you will buy carbon offsets um, or Silicon Valley will create civilization saving carbon capture technologies rather than keep doing apps or whatever they're doing so so uh, one if we don't completely the single greatest threat to us is to keep doing what we're doing economically we all live in growth economies growth economies create waste growth economies fueled by fossil fuels uh create death basically and and so we just need to change um so that's one thing i'm doing the other thing is the sarasota institute but you know i can talk about that in a minute or we can have a separate podcast perhaps is a better way to do that uh but the but the book is now out and see see what most people do not understand about climate change this is what drives me nuts when i watch it being reported on tv that's why i really want to get this book out there's three things that humanity has to do one, we have to cut carbon yeah. emissions. We have to go from 77% global use of fossil fuels, this is an energy source, to 70% clean. And we have to do that by 2030, as close to 2030 as possible. That's number one. That's what everybody thinks. Oh, we got to get off of fossil fuels. But the problem is carbon, once it gets up in the atmosphere, stays up there for centuries. So pre-industrial revolution there were 730 gigatons of carbon in the atmosphere we crossed 800 gigatons in the atmosphere in world war ii 830 in the early 80s and now we're at 1300 and they go from the early 80s to now to go from 830 
1,300 gigatons is completely time congruent to the warming of the planet. So we have to go up into the atmosphere and reduce it. We have to, we have to take carbon out of the atmosphere and find a use for carbon and sequesters for carbon. That's the second thing. And the third thing is to create a crew consciousness. You know, you, Sharon, have heard me talk about this, which is basically to mm-hmm. say um, use less, consume less, make new a bad word, make used a good word. Um, so in growth economies, which are linear, you know, you extract, you produce, you distribute, you sell, you buy, you consume, you throw away, repeat. There's the um, circular economy, which is reduce, reuse, recycle. And that started 50 years ago. The problem is it's only 10% of the global GDP. And that's too little, too slow, too late. So my book basically says we have to move to a finite earth economy. Growth economies are, oh, I'm only measured as a consumer. The only measurement of happiness, well-being, economic well-being, whatever, is the GDP. Circular, it's mostly about me. I get to buy whatever I want. But some of the time I'm being self-righteous and reducing, reusing, recycling or composting. And that's too incremental. It's not enough. So we have to move to a finite economy, which is conscious non-consumption. Conscious non-consumption. In other words, when people say, I don't know what that looks like, I say, walk into your closet and take everything out that you you haven't worn within a year. That's the beginning of conscious consumption. You're unconsciously consuming. Or, um, Mm. you know, you and I are down here in Florida, so, you know, three months of the year we might need to wear a sweater, right? So how many sweaters do you need? If, if the whole consciousness right. is anti-fashion and anti-consumption, being anti-fashion, or not fast fashion, but slow fashion, and, and being anti-consumption is the right thing. Right. I loved, um, well, we had this great conversation. It was quick, but we had one at Ringling, which you are, um, you give guest talks there quite frequently, yeah, correct? Yeah, I'm a and residence and guest lecture at Ringling, right. Yeah, which I love. And I think, uh, you know, I just heard a, a great podcast recently um, with a wonderful movie producer's wife who's starting a school um, called uh, Muse. And it's teaching children from day one when they get into school about what you're discussing right now. Like we have to we have to embed consciousness all over the place. I, I remember the first time I heard you say that we need to become crew members mm-hmm. of the spaceship earth and then i said it to somebody else and, and their face was like we're like what the hell are you talking about i said well we're we are so unaware right and and we have to realize that we are just as much a part of this as anybody else can you tell the audience what it was like um when nasa invited yeah. you to come and yeah and talk? so i it's a story um so i keynoted i was one of the keynoters at the 50th anniversary conference of the world future society in 2016 well it was i was founded it was founded in 1966 so it's 50th and it was therefore held in washington dc and uh so that meant there were interesting people in the audience so after my talk you know uh the spaceship earth and looking at uh climate change through the lens of we live on this spaceship and it's not getting resupplied. It's called Earth. 
one person came up to me and they were a senior person at the EPA and they invited me to come talk to them. Uh, and then the other person that came up was this woman who asked me if I'd like to go speak at NASA. And of course, you know, I was like a kid. I, oh, sure. Of course. So, th- right. It was like me finding right, out you exactly. work with MTV. So I, well, I don't know, but, uh, <laughs> but anyway, so the point is, is that, is that, uh, that led to me going to the Goddard, the NASA Goddard space flight center in Maryland. And, um, so I basically was there and I asked the NASA woman, I said, why do you want me to come to NASA? And they said, and she said, because we're putting out the best science. It's not moving the dial at all. And, and my scientists are getting disheartened and you, you have a really important meta message about using space earth as a spaceship. And I want you to come and give them a pep talk and show them another way that people are thinking about it. So I did. And it was like one of the greatest days of my life. I mean, it was like, um, I was on, I was on yeah. there for, I was there for about six hours with earth sciences. And I spoke to about a hundred scientists and retired scientists who come in for the talk. And, and it was just great. And, and, uh, you know, so then later, as you know, um, uh, the nonprofit along with Tim Rummage, we did a, um, um, a bird's eye view drone camera event where on Siesta beach, the number one beach in the United States of America, we used drone photography and we had a line of about a hundred people who were holding hands and they were holding hands at the tide line. So we had the drone looking down tide line where it was high tide was going to be that day in October, 2016. Then the, the tide, the high level high water mark where it was going to be in 2030 based on NOAA and NASA forecasts and half of Siesta was beach was gone. And then by 2040 and we were out to the, to the drive, way to the road uh the other side of the parking lot in other words the beach the pavilion and the parking lot are all gone by 2040 and it was about a three-minute video and i sent it the link to the woman from nasa and she wrote back something this really i always tell this because it makes me feel good so good she said david this is the best video about sea level rise i've ever seen period it it has not much science but people holding hands and, you know, so, so that's, yes. that's the new, I got right. chills when you said that. Yes. I, it is the visual exactly. that we and that's need. What, and we I are the answer. That to the, I make, when I'm in Tim Rummage's, I guess lecturing in Tim Rummage's classes in, in, uh, at Ringling, I always insist we show that because then I can say to that some of the best young creatives in the world, this is what, what you need to get from this class. This is what you need to get from me for not much money, but a lot of creative drive and a lot of hustle. You can create something like this that can change consciousness. And, and, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words and a video is worth a hundred thousand words or whatever the parallel metaphor is. So that's the reason. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was my trip to NASA and, and uh, they're just, um, it, it's the, so the age of denial is over. Anybody who's still wondering, is like go join the flat earth society if you don't if you want to see if you want to see sea level rise go down to lido key so we're talking here in mid to late october 2019 right that beach was replenished a year ago and half of it's gone i mean it's kind of like the sea level is rising so let's put more beach sand on the beach and the sea level keep i mean it, it it is the lack of consciousness into the magnitude that that leads people to think, oh, we'll just put more sand there. 
and and the water and the water mm-hmm. keeps rising. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Uh, well, yeah, the denial is is a, well, a very vicious term. It's a very vicious way to live your but, life. It's it's not a but a you know it, denial, but you, right? Yeah, but 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 you know it, it it's denial. It's legacy thinking. That's the root of all people's problems. You know, I I have to say this. Yeah. I mean, it's like I know it sounds overly huge, but it gets people through. I so. I guest lectured and, and all these students were scared of the future and they're fearful of it. And, you know, so I said to them, um, there is only one constant. There's only one single truth in the universe and the cosmos. And that is change is constant. In fact, time mm-hmm. only exists to measure change. If there was no change, There'd be no time. So change is the universal. So if anyone says, oh, I don't like change, it's a fundamental disconnect from the cosmos, right? So, so <laughs> you know, if yeah. the sea level is rising, you can choose for it not to rise, but it's still going to rise. I mean, I, you know, I always say to people in Sarasota, if you don't want to believe in climate change and put your head in the sand, you're going to drown, you know? So, um yeah. Yeah, that's the truth. Well, I mean, I, and I love one of the quotes that you have on the back of um, the spaceship Earth by mm-hmm. Winston Churchill. Um, it's not enough that we do our best. Sometimes we have to right. do what is required. And so I wonder, um, I know, you know, you made me laugh the last time we were together talking about even what we see in hotels. Mm-hmm. And it says, you know, we're, we're doing our best to save the planet Earth. Um, because they don't want us to reuse towels and, and then put towels out, all that stuff that they everybody does to say that they're making an impact or somebody has to go on the news at least once a week to do what everybody's dictating that they have to do is write to, to talk about climate change. But what if you could give us just some small steps, because I really do, I believe, and this is really what I do in my business, because I know working in the medical industry, <laughs> you want to talk about people having a hard time changing their mindset and, and becoming conscious of things. It's, it's very difficult when, when people are closed-minded to change. And I do, I 100% agree with you. I think that sometimes we need to explain it in such a way like you did with being on the beach and holding hands to give everybody that visual. So, yeah. What so, would you say to somebody who's trying to make so a small change? So there's two things to say. One, it's a valid question. Uh, that needs to be answered. Well, if I do something, will it really make a difference? And that's why I came up with the crew consciousness. If you're a member of the crew of Spaceship Earth, we are at scale. You are, you are a member of a larger issue, which is facing climate change. Mm-hmm. You're, you're part of a larger issue facing climate change as a crew member. So, example, and, so that's number one. And the second concept is just do one thing. So the crew consciousness concept is very simple. Um, when I learned in doing the research for the book, The Spaceship Earth, um, I use this as, as an example. Uh, a four-pound hamburger, when consumed at a restaurant, results in six pounds of CO2 going into the atmosphere. I mean, that's the cause of climate change. We have no cause and effect with our actions. So you take that down the path. I used to eat. I used to love that. You know, this is one thing I did right away when I got the information. 
So one of my default favorite um, guilty food pleasures is a gourmet cheeseburger with great fries once or twice a week. I mean, that's what I like. That was basically mm-hmm. my meat consumption, you know, and, and, and so, mm-hmm. you know, if I had a pound or a pound and a half of, of say a pound of, of meat every week, that was 52 pounds, right? And then you multiply that by six, right. by, uh, um, six uh, multiplied by four and then multiply it by six and you get the, the amount of carbon I've put into the universe, to the atmosphere, excuse me. So I just stopped eating meat for the most part. And so what I said, I did a video um, that said, eat less beef. In other words, at that time when I did it, I was still eating beef, but I would only allow myself two cheeseburgers in a month. So I cut it 75%. Mm-hmm. So just by doing that, I cut my beef consumption by 75%. Beef production is the number one cause in the agricultural space for, for um, carbon, carbon dioxide going up in the atmosphere. So what happens if a million people eat 75% less beef? What about 10 million? What about 100 million people in the United States all of a sudden eat less beef? Then it totally... It it, it 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 slows carbon emissions. Another thing is, you know, there's a certain amount of barrel. I'm not sure. I think it's 16 barrels of oil are taken to make a T-shirt plus 80 gallons of water. How many T-shirts do you need? Or the simple thing is just do one thing. This is the thing that explains crew consciousness. I'll take you through it. You've probably heard it, but let's go through it. So, Sharon, what is your monthly electricity bill? $232. Okay. Yes, I do. Okay, so, so 232 <laughs> So the average American uses about, 100 kilo, it uses, it's about $100. So the next question is, for the $230, how much energy are you paying for? You don't know, do Tell you? Tell me, David. Right. I don't, well, I have 70, no idea. But, but I mean, I just pay it, right? Yeah. Right. Help so 75% of the scientists at NASA couldn't answer that question, right? So, so in other words, oh, in other I words, so stupid. you come to the paying my electric bill monthly situation with an expectation that's 230. That's stuck in your mind. Um, and so if you get a bill and say it's 260, you'll, kind of, you'll pause for a minute and you'll say, oh, was it cold? Oh, it was really, really hot that month. Okay, got it. Or we had the pool on all the time or whatever it is, right? So, so then you kind of say, oh, okay, and then you pay it. Instead, we say use the 2% solution. In your case, if the average American household is 100 kilowatt hours at $100, you're probably around 2,000 kilowatt hours. So what you're coming to is the decision to pay your bill as a price-oriented consumer. If the price is right, I'll pay the bill. Mm -hmm. Instead, you look at that and you kind of say, okay, I'm going to cut my energy consumption by 2%. So you're at 2,000 kilowatt hours. So what does that mean? You you take it down to um, 1,960, right? Um, and then the next month you do another 2%. So in, in um, six months, you're at 1,720 or something like that um, kilowatt hours. You've reduced it by a significant amount. 
and your bill will go down. So instead of being a price-oriented consumer, I'm sorry I'm not doing this as slickly as I usually do. Price-oriented consumer, <laughs> you're, you're approaching it as a crew member. How can I crew my part of Spaceship Earth, which is my house? Okay, I'll never leave a TV on. In the, in the wintertime, I'll lower the thermostat. In the summertime, I'll raise the thermostat. And so you keep, you're looking at your own measurement. So, so when my wife gets the bill, she pays the bill and she gives me the usage. And, you know, so now I know how much it costs if I have the pool heated for a day in the summer versus a day in the winter. And I know how much. And so I can crew, I can control it because at least 75% of that energy is coming from fossil fuels. So the point about being a crew member is join the crew and do one thing and get somebody else to do it. And if you do one thing, you'll feel good about it. Everybody who reduces, reuse, recycles has some sense of goodness when they do it. I'm doing the right thing. I'm self-righteous. Look at me. I'm an environmentalist. Whatever is the motivation, it's a positive one, right? And, and no, so just do that. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, and I, I, I think um, the reason that I brought up this um, – her name is Susie Cameron, who just uh, came out with this book. And it's just, it's OMD, or this this process of just eating one plant-based mm-hmm. meal right. a day, right? Because the, the most difficult thing is for you to say to somebody, you know, turn vegan, be a vegetarian, whatever it is, so, and they, they can't do it. It's too overwhelming. It's like telling somebody I, to go to the I, gym I, every I, day, right? I mean, you right. have to take baby steps. I've completely changed my diet. So the word to use is reducitarian. In other words, yeah, right. In other Reduce words, vegans and vegetarians are like, you know, like Hare Krishna people. Something. Oh, you got to go vegan, right? You know, and they're trying to be, and they're doing it with altruistic reasons. But reducitarian is what sure. I just described. Reduce the amount of meat that you eat, particularly beef, because Absolutely. beef, because of the way we raise it, um, creates a lot of greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, pork as well lamb as well but not as much as beef so cut your beef consumption by half and you're doing a really good thing and there's a whole lot of health reasons to do that but the point is um so you're reducitarian that makes it easier oh i'm reducing the bad stuff relative to the environment and anybody is this a new term did you come up with um, this because i really like it I think you should. Well, I will, but I, but I did look it up, and I found I, the first time I came up with the word, I didn't find it in the dictionary, and I said, "Oh, I came up with the word," but then I looked up in another dictionary, yay, and it was in there. So I think it's a term. It's a re, re, reducitarian. So think about that. But it's something exactly. that people can wrap I, their I'm brain I'm reducing the amount sure. of meat I eat. I'm reducing the amount of electricity yes. I use. I'm reducing in reduce, reuse, mm-hmm. recycle. But the point is, you're not doing it with the physical objects, right? Um, Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I cut out meat and chicken. I, I tried to go vegan, right? It was very difficult. This is two years ago. And so then I, you know, I was like, well, I can't do this. Uh, this is too much, too soon. So I started, when somebody would ask me out to dinner, you know, what did you, are you a vegan or are you a vegetarian? I said, I'm, I'm <laughs> veganese, right? right? I made it my own term. I said, I'm just really trying Bruce, to br- do br- better. Really, at br- the end of the day, Trying to do but better is what we need to do. Yeah, Be but more this conscious. is hardcore stuff. Well, vegan means this and vegan plus non-dairy and all that. It's, it's, right. it's these different sects of a religion right. comes across. I'm, one of my favorite, yeah. you know, I know this, right. is, this is very politically incorrect, but one of my favorite bumper stickers of all time um, <laughs> was, uh, was um, I'm not a vegetarian because I love animals. 
I'm a vegetarian because I hate plants. <laughs> I, that was, I mean, that always sticks with me. But I mean, it's not okay. true, but it's funny. Yeah. But, uh, the point, but, but yeah, reduce, it is funny. I, well, just I... for this conversation, I've had that insight. Use the word reducitarian on anything. You know, reduce. Re, re, I reduce agree. I think it's great. How many dresses mm-hmm. do you need? How many shoes do you need? How many this do you need? How many times do you need to buy a new car? How many, how many, how many, how many, how many, right? Because the other thing is, is consumption, right? We, Earth overshoot day is now July 29th. What that means is that as starting July 30th, we're consuming more than the Earth can regenerate. And we're at 1.7 Earths mm-hmm. per year of consumption of resources. So we have to move Earth overshoot day back to 1231 the only way we do that is consume less make used more appropriate right and buy a used car don't buy a new Mm -hmm. car if you buy anything used it means that the thing you just bought the resources were extracted a long time ago anything you buy new means that some way the planet was adversely affected I mean, literally, literally, it's kind of like Mm -hmm. we have not paid attention. So at the highest level, Sharon, and and, and I'm sure this is a cutoff for this or not, but but, because I don't think people could listen more. I'd rather do another one. uh, Right. Right. (laughs) We'll do another one. (laughs) But at the highest level, 2019, Mm -hmm. my gift is to see things in the largest context. I've just recently come to realize I've been asked these questions in podcasts. Well, how do you do your forecast? So at the highest level. We are at a moment in time where human history, just the history of humanity on the planet, is at a critical juncture where we're either going to have a next evolutionary step if we successfully face climate change or we're going to end civilization. So at that level, at a deeper level, um, we are moving with, with, with merging of intelligence, technological intelligence to our next evolutionary step. At the same time, the economic systems on the planet are creaking under the burden of too much debt and too outdated um, concepts, right? And, and so at this moment in time, everything is up for grabs. Every, it's a critical moment. It'll come and go uh, one way or the other, you know, as, as we'll end with that. I've always said, as you heard me say to you, anybody who says save the planet is saying something ignorant. They may mean it being well-intentioned, but they've heard the meme, save the planet. So by showing I'm an environmentalist, I'll say I'm saving the planet. The planet doesn't need saving. The planet's been here for 3.5 billion years. It'll be free here for another 3.5 billion years. And the planet's going to be fine. We have to save ourselves from ourselves, particularly since this is an anthropogenic um, uh, global warming. We've created this crisis, so we have to solve it. You made a mess, you clean it up, you know, and yet all the constructs, all the mental constructs, all the corporate, political and and economic constructs are to preserve the status quo. So that's why it's going to be highly disruptive. We have a choice. We can we can go through massive disruption and save ourselves from ourselves or we can we can uh, wish uh, our grandchildren well as a struggle to survive pick one right yeah that's 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 the best way to to wrap this okay. up because if if you think it's not going to affect our 
grandchildren, you're, you're sorely mistaken. So, you know, I would encourage like you have been since you started on this mission um, for helping us be better, mm -hmm. that when we're going into 2020 and everybody makes those, I, I dare to say ridiculous, um, you know, New Year's goals or how, how are you going to live the next year? Why don't you just try to think more about what you can do every day to become a reducitarian. Yeah, it goes to, and, and, and to one, go to this spaceship earth.org, which mm -hmm. where we have how to be a better crew member. We have videos of people and what they're doing. Um, and so this spaceship earth.org and finite earth economy.com. That's the site I have up. Should, a new version should be up shortly that's tied to the book. And then when we come back, maybe sometime in a couple of months, we can talk about the Sarasota Institute because that's, yes. that's what I was telling well, you about. It is a big love. deal. Yeah. Yes, so, it is. So I have the website up now, the Sarasota Institute, every uh, dot global. You can go to, I'm sure it'll be updated and changed because you're a futurist, right? Like you're 20 steps ahead, right. uh, at least of all of us. And your brain is working a lot faster. And I have to talk really fast to get something in because I know you. <laughs> right, right. So, so, so just leave it, yes. it you know, I know we're, I still, we're still recording. Right. But uh, yes, of course. Okay. Well, st I mean, just I mean, just send me the links so I can put them up on, on the finite to, earth economy. Sure. When, you know, once once you have them, I will post them and push them out. Absolutely. It will be at 5 p.m. today. I'm looking forward to everybody hearing about you. We will have all the show notes there so people can uh, go to this spaceship earth and, and look at what you're doing with your new book and the Sarasota Institute. And then we'll we'll do a part two in the very near future. Thank you for helping us to become more conscious, David. Well, that's what your path is as well, because you're allowed me on yes, here it is. and you're doing it. So, so uh, namaste to you and to all your listeners. Thank you. Okay. Have a great day, David. Bye. Bye.